Hello and welcome to another episode of Bare Minimum Babe. My name is Amanda Cunningham and I am the founder and host of this podcast. Okay, so I guess I'm going to do like a quick little what am I reading situation right now because both of the books that I'm reading are related. And one of the books I'm reading is actually one that I've already read before. I read it, I think last year and I made it a note to read it again because I loved it so much. Um, so anticipation built, what are you reading Amanda? So I recently just read a book called the dip by Seth Godin. Um, and I'm sure anyone in business really, especially marketing has heard of Seth Godin. Godin. He's like a marketing guru type person, um, has like a daily, newsletter that I subscribe to as well that I sometimes read and sometimes don't. Honestly, the daily newsletter stuff, I kind of like hit or miss on if I feel like reading it or not. But anyways, I read his book called The Dip and it's honestly like really short. I think it's like 70 some pages or something like that, but it's really valuable advice. You can read it in kind of like one long sitting. Anyways, the entire point of the book, this is me kind of summarizing, is that at any point when you're trying to work towards something, you're going to hit the dip, which is kind of like, uh, is it Ira Glass? I think that says that Ira Glass, who says a similar sentiment in the sense of like, it's hard to like achieve things because a lot of times when you first start out, I'm paraphrasing here wildly, but when you start out, you have enough skill, like when you start working, right? So the hard part is like when you've, you're not a beginner anymore, you're kind of at the intermediate stage where you can kind of see how far you come, but you don't appreciate it. So what you're seeing is how far you want to go and kind of the professional level that you want to be at, because that's what inspired you to get started. And so you're in that dip and that's like the hardest part because you know, all the place, like where you're failing essentially, and you're seeing where you want to be. And it's frustrating because you can see all the ways that you're not getting there. And so when you try to execute on something, it doesn't live up to what you want it to be because you don't have the skill and stuff like that yet. And so you're kind of in that dip and that's like the hardest place to be. And that's kind of like what Ira Glass is saying. And Seth Godin kind of takes that further and talks about at the dip, like you can kind of go, there's like three ways I think he says you can go. But the point of the story, the 70 page book is just kind of Essentially, like if you're in the dip and you think you can achieve it and you know that you can achieve it, you need to push past the dip because eventually it'll get incrementally easier. But if you don't 100% know that you're going to reach that goal, that you should essentially just quit because you're not going to be able to get out of that dip because you're never going to be the top at it. The whole book is basically like saying if you're not going to be number one, don't try, which I think is a little harsh sometimes, but I get where he's coming from a lot of times because there's so much in the entrepreneur space and just general like hustle culture of, you know, being number one, be the best something. And then you have to like make this, I don't know, hobby or thing, right? Like you're good at this. You need to take it to the top, whatever. And quite honestly, not everyone's that good. You know, like most people aren't that good. And yeah, you can make some money, but like, oh, which is somewhat in some ways inspiring, but also kind of not, it kind of irritates you where you'll see someone selling something and like have like a decent following and they're selling stuff and you're looking at it and you're like, this, am I not getting it? This isn't good. Like this just isn't good. And I've had that with like books that I've read, like I not to put people on blast. Who was it? Um, I read like a, just to see the hype. I read, um, Danielle Steele, who I don't really like romance novelists, but my friend, she has a podcast. I've talked about her before. Her name is, well, her artist name is Daisy, but her name is Sadie. Um, but anyway, she has a podcast with her friend, Stani, and they have a, a podcast called more than a muse. Anyways, one of the really good episodes, all of them are really good, but one of them I really liked. And one of her favorite episodes is about romance novelists and how it's being undersold 
is like an art form for women because it's belittled and a lot of like any woman that writes is kind of belittled and called a romance novelist if, if there's a love story. But people who like Nicholas Sparks make the same kind of love s- stories have like tons of movie franchises and, and don't get the same crap versus he thinks those are real novels. Anyways, that's a good, it's a good, um, episode. But anyways, the story is like, they were talking about like some, I think Danielle Steele is like the top selling romance novel. Like she has sold like millions and millions of books. And anyways, I was like, all right, let me just read one because if she sold millions of books, like, let's just see. Anyways, I read one. One was absolute garbage. <laughs> absolute garbage. Like it was like a fifth grader wrote it. It was beyond terrible writing. And I made like, it was like 10 pages in. I was like, is this, is she serious right now? Is this, is this kind of like, I don't know if I got like an aberration on like her typical style of books or what, but it was just not good. And I eventually just gave up on it and just kind of like put it back. Um, I honestly just left it on a, on a, on a train. Um, because I didn't feel like carrying it around. This was when I was traveling in Portugal and I, I think I found it in like a free book thing. And I was like, I don't feel like carrying this around until I find another free thing. I'm in Portugal. So I'm just going to leave it on the train. So that maybe wasn't the nicest thing of me to do, but anyways, like it was awful. And the point of my saying that is like, I was like, I could write better than this. Literally my child writes better than this. Like I've read her some, like her, some of her little notebooks, like my 11 year old writes better than this. And it was mind boggling to me that she was like a best selling novelist. And I assume like she has better works and she's just kind of churning them out. Right. Like the family guy joke of Stephen King of like, uh, the haunted lamp and things like that. Like you just start churning these things out and granted Stephen King's a much better writer than Danielle King or Danielle Steele. But point is she's making lots of money and she's like getting lots of stuff going on. And I've seen this in so many other places, not even just like art stuff. It's like in business too, where you're like, that person's not even good. No, but they keep going essentially. And they believe like they, I don't think they sometimes know that they're not good. And I talked to my friend about this a lot too, of like being smart and knowing what's quote wrong kind of holds you back because you, you realize all the stuff that's wrong versus like, maybe you don't know if you're not like introspective enough to look at it and kind of realize actually this isn't that good. No, you think it's good and you keep going kind of thing. But the point of me saying that is like, it's somewhat inspiring, but it does kind of piss you off because you're like, well, if they're making bank doing it and I write better than that, there's no reason why I can't do it. Right. So the point is like when you're in that dip, you can keep going if it's something you're truly passionate about and it's something you believe that you can be number one in. And I'm going to like read a quote from uh, the dip as well. And I took a picture of it actually as I was reading it because I was like, this is really good. And it completely fits with my episode about quitting, which I'll link in the show notes as well. I forget the title of the episode, but it's about quitting and I'll put it in the episode show notes. You can see it. Anyways, um, quote, it's easier to be mediocre than it is to confront reality and quit. Quitting is difficult. Quitting requires you to acknowledge that you're never going to be number one in the world, at least not this. So it's easier to put it off, not admit it and settle for mediocre. What a waste. And it got me thinking like, yeah, it actually is really hard to quit when you put so much effort into it. And you maybe realize that you're not going to be the best at it, but you already keep, it's like kind of a sunk cost fallacy situation. And I had this for a minute when I was doing music stuff of being like, okay, I know I'm good and I could be decent at this, but in my heart of hearts, I don't think I'm passionate enough for this. And like, would I be like Lizzo and Jay-Z and stuff like that? Like living out of my car doing this, going to the show? No, I wouldn't. Like, no, I I wouldn't. And I'm not saying that's like the line to be like, all right, you're not going to make it because you're not willing to live out of your car. But like, I don't have that passion. I just don't. 
And I, I never did. And it, re- it made me realize like, I don't enjoy the things that I would need to enjoy to be number one, or even like, cause number one's kind of arbitrary of like, who's number one on the billboard. And there's no like number one in art because it's all subjective and arbitrary. Right. But if you're not going to be like really, really amazing at it in certain things, like spending all your time, money and effort into certain pursuits doesn't make sense. And this doesn't go for hobbies, obviously. Like if you want to start playing guitar or like whatever for fun and hobby, whatever, that's a hobby. But if you're like quitting your job and like, I don't know, painting on a Hallmark card and trying to make a business because you're, you're you know, you're, you think you're good at art and you want to do this because you're having fun and your art low key isn't that good. And you're not going to make any sales. Like the people who are going to buy it are your friends and family. And once that's worn out, like what, you know, and I'm not saying you have to quit it because it's not fun, but you know, the, the rate of you, you know, making a living off of it's going to be pretty low. And obviously I don't know if that's true all the time, because like I said, with the example of Daniel Seal and some of the other stuff that I've seen, I'm like, how is this making money? Like they're making so much money doing this. This is so confusing to me. But I have no idea what luck that is and like kind of the circumstances that got into it. And then you just keep pumping it out. But generally, I like what Seth Godin says, because that's kind of what I confront. I was confronted with is like I didn't have mediocre talent, but I had mediocre drive, like passion to do it. And when I was surrounded by other like really amazing, passionate people, it became very clear to me pretty quickly. I didn't like fully admit it. And that's why I felt like kind of out in some rooms became very clear that I was never going to be the top in this room. Like I'd be an okay addition for sure. But I also didn't, I had the self-awareness that I wasn't the best in the room. Cause I also I was in rooms where someone like was not good and they didn't do anything. They brought zero contribution, but they had like the confidence to truly, truly, truly believe that they did. And they're like networking their butt off. And they have the confidence, they don't know how not good they are, basically. And they were getting further, quicker. And it was infuriating. And I was like, okay, this is very, like watching like that kind of scenario and like being like in the room with people being like, I know I'm never going to be the top person in this room. At best, I'll be mostly equal to their talent level. But because their passion is stronger than mine, they're going to outwork me. And the only way I could outwork them is because of determination. It's not because of the passion. It's like a difference between passion and determination. Mine's just kind of stubbornness. And I want to do something like the passion is like, you love it so much that you can't think of anything else. That wasn't me. Mine was stubbornness. And I want to prove something, right? It's a different kind of like forward movement, I feel like. So I just want to reread the passage again from Seth Godin because I really, really like as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Um, So most people are afraid to quit. It's easier to be mediocre than it is to confront reality and quit. Quitting is difficult. Quitting requires you to acknowledge that you're never going to be number one in the world, at least not at this. So it's easier just to put it off, not admit it and settle for mediocre. What a waste. And I didn't consciously admit this to myself for like. I don't know. I, I didn't, I did the music for like two years full time. And I started realizing, I think subconsciously within like, I don't know, a year, a little over a year. Um, and it started getting like more obvious, more obvious. And then it wasn't it, like, it was, you know, I don't know, 18, 20 months in or whatever that I was like, okay. I said it aloud kind of thing. Like, okay, I don't think this is for me. What do I do now? How do I backpedal out of this? Like it's, I, I don't feel like I'm an idiot. Like I made a mistake. It's just kind of like, okay, how do I, what do I, where do I go from here now? If I'm not doing this, what, what happens kind of thing is basically what mine turned into personally. And, um, and I'm not trying to make this about music or anything like that. It's just kind of, it made me think that 
it actually was hard to quit. And I don't mean like quitting a job, like it's awkward conversation. I mean, like it was hard to quit because it made me like, I had to confront the fact that like, this wasn't going to happen. Like this just wasn't going to be a thing that I was going to do. So an idea that I had about myself that I thought would be what I wanted and who like the life that I wanted, whatever, it actually didn't fit with my personality. It didn't fit with my lifestyle. It didn't fit with a lot of things. It didn't actually even fit with my passions. It's just something like a talent that I had and I wanted to pursue because I had this idea and I thought it would be cool. And it turned out it was cool for other people. And I really became inspired by being in the room with other people. Like when I watched shows, when I went down to Nashville, like it was super inspiring and I loved it. But when I was an active participant in the situation, I always felt out of place, like I wasn't enough. And I don't think it was imposter syndrome. I just felt like I was definitely the least passionate person there, if that makes sense. And I was there to network and be inspired. And that made me feel kind of awkward a lot of times, if that makes sense. And I became pretty aware of that pretty quickly. Um, I mean, I have great friends still, but like, you know, on a friend level, like I don't, I don't anticipate like us being like industry friends, you know, like industry doing things in the same career and kind of thing. So I also want to read another passage from the dip, uh, by Seth Godin and it is quitting at the right time is difficult. Most of us don't have the guts to quit worse when faced with a dip. Sometimes we don't quit. Instead we get mediocre. The most common response to the dip is to play it safe, to do ordinary work, blameless work, work that's beyond repose reproach. When faced with a dip, most people suck it up and try to average their way to success, which is precisely why so few people end up as the best in the world. To be a superstar, you must do something exceptional. That was like a long quote, but I really like that passage. It's a very like short, succinct book. So I actually really recommend it. It's like 70 pages or something. And like, it's really short, like succinct, like little snippets of things like that. But and when I say like, when he said superstar, it doesn't mean like Beyonce level. It just means like to be like amazing at something you have to do something different. You can't just like do what everyone else is doing, being average kind of thing. Right. Like, excuse me, like he gives the example of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff like that. Like he became Arnold because he was doing something that everyone else wasn't. He was outworking everybody. He was like really extreme. And I like, there's a Netflix on on Netflix. There's a documentary of him. My husband (laughs) made me start watching. It's actually really interesting. And they gave his like whole backstory, but his father was a little low key crazy and used to like make him and his brother compete against each other and had all these other, like he had a, the upbringing to basically turn him into Arnold and make him super competitive. And he continued that and he had like a drive and he saw a vision of coming to America and it was a whole thing. So he was always, always, always trying to be the top. And like he knew he could because he also has the genetics to do it. Right. So it's like a combo of things that make you exceptional. If you don't have the combination of like the passion, like the drive to actually do it, like the passion to love it, the drive to actually execute on it, the vision to do it and like the startup results for it, like the genes, like you can't be a good, like amazing top bodybuilder if you're like, I don't know, four, eight, you know, there's gotta be a certain set of requirements. And that's giving an example, but you know, it, it's just certain requirements and a certain, a lot of times. Right. I mean, obviously you can overcome these things, but it, it certainly is an advantage. Right. So it's difficult to quit when you've gotten to a decent level But when you get to a decent level and you get surrounded, like kind of like how I was, when you get to like a level where you're like, okay, I feel good. Like, I feel like I'm good for my little pond kind of thing. And then you get to like a bigger pond where everyone's amazing. It's kind of like the, forget the study, but like whenever, like the kids go to Harvard, like the new freshmen go to Harvard, they were like the smartest top kids in their class. And then they're surrounded by the smartest top kids in all of, all over the world from every class. And they may not be the smartest anymore. Like chances are they're not the smartest. There's going to be a top smartest kind of thing. 
and that's their identity. And they're no longer exceptional. Their average for Harvard, which again, to be fair, is still exceptional, but their average in their area, you know, and it's like, at that point, they have to like have an identity shift. But that's just kind of example of like, in order to like do something great, you have to be exceptional at it. And a lot of times we don't quit when we should. And I told this to somebody the other day when I was talking about um, like quitting music. And I told them like, you know, I, I quit my marketing job to do music stuff. And then after two years, I decided actually that's not what I want. And I decided to quit music, which was like weird and awkward. And I went back to marketing because I'm not really sure what I want out of my life and whatever. I'm going to hopefully live past 80. So I have plenty of time to just kind of live my life and figure it out. But, you know, she was saying she was like, I just, she, I figured how she said it. She was like really sweet and calming. She was just like, I just wanted to like stop you and be like, number one, the fact that you quit your job to do something that you wanted to do is amazing because most people wouldn't even do that. And the fact that you did it, decided you didn't want to do it anymore, admitted it and quit and then like turned to something else, like whatever that is, is also amazing because at that point, most people would have just kept going which is why I kept going for like almost a year is because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I didn't want to admit it because if I just power through, maybe I could make something happen, make, make fetch happen and you can't make it happen. Right. So I, I also, I, I don't have a quote about this, but the other thing that Seth talks about in, I'm going to call him Seth because we're friends. Anyways, the thing that Seth talks about in the dip as well is like, again, I don't know if it's a little harsh or whatever, but it's just like, if you don't feel like you're going to be amazing at it, don't start, like don't waste your time kind of thing. And again, this does not go for hobbies or anything like that, but it's like, if you're going to sign up for a marathon and start training, if you don't like plan, I guess on, you know, executing on that marathon and actually finishing the thing, don't even start. Basically like if you don't even, if you're not going to try fully, don't start, which is kind of fair because like I said that to my daughter of like, I'd rather she just not do something than do an awful job at it. And I have to come up and fix it. Like she'll sometimes do chores and she'll make a bigger mess. And I'm like, I would have rather you just done nothing and ask for help than whatever you just did. Cause it wasn't actually trying. And we, I want to put that out there that she's 11. It was not actually trying. She was just kind of, you know, sometimes spiteful and I promise I love her, but that's just an example of like, I would have rather you just done nothing and just ask for help. Right. Instead of just do whatever you just did. And so I think that's kind of what he's, that's how I'm interpreting him saying it. It's just, again, I don't, this does not go for hobbies or for fun or whatever. It just has to go with like, if you're going to make a whole life path for something and, you know, go after being a novelist, but like low key, your books suck. You know, if you're just going to be mediocre and average, that's what most people are when they're doing something right. And like, you don't have anything to stand out. So you could maybe stand above the pack by just kind of pumping stuff out constantly and never stopping. But still, the odds of that are really low because there will all be there will be someone who's better than you always. And they only have to slightly meet your level to be more successful than you because they're they're better. Right. And they they're you're they're just generally better. So that's just one of the books I'm reading. I spent a long time talking about the dip, but <laughs> Because I hopped off the other one, I'm just going to quickly say that I'm also reading Essentialism by Greg McEwen, and I'm listening to the audiobook actually this time around. But I list, I read this book last year, and that's the book that I said that I read last year that I made a note saying I wanted to read it again because it was so good. This one I just got, I have the paperback book, but I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately because it's just easier to just, it's easier to get through them. It's easier to find the time to listen on like car rides than it is to sit down and read it. So I borrowed it 
in case you don't know, it's uh, called Libby. I showed this to my friend the other day. I think it's like any library has this app. Maybe not any. Don't like at me on that. But I think a lot of libraries have this. It's called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. It's just like a free app that you can like that's linked to your public library um, that has audiobooks. Anyways, I got it for free on Libby. So I have it for like another, I don't know, 15 days and I'm listening to it there. I recommend that book as well. It's kind of got a very similar theme in the sense of like, he talks about the essentialist is like, you focus on what matters in the things that will actually move the needle. And most people are non-essentialists. They just like are busy and they're doing lots of different things, like kind of hacking away at 50 things and only getting like 2% of, you know, like further versus an essentialist is like focusing on like, two things, two, three things kind of thing. And their same exact effort, they're getting 25% each time, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's more than like the 2% spread out with like 50 things. So they're getting further in those things that matter to them. And the the point that why I'm linking them together is because um, essentialism also talks about how important quitting is because the essentialists try lots of different things, quickly realize if it's for them, if they like it or not and quit or not. So they actually get through a lot more things than the non-essentialists because they're quicker to quit things. They find like they get really deep into something and then quit when they realize, actually, I don't think I'm going to be good at this, you know, which is, I don't know if <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'm just calling myself an essentialist because Greg McEwen saying it's a good thing, but me doing singing for like two years and not wasting any more time on it being like, okay, I realize this isn't for me. Let me just go back to what I know I can do well and what makes me money and like, you know, provides for my child and stuff like that. And then I'll figure it out or I'll just keep going with that. I don't know. Right. I don't have to figure out my entire life before the age of like 82. I have no idea. Right. So anyways, I'm linking them two together. Like I said, I would highly recommend the dip by Seth Godin and essentialism by Greg McEwen. And I'll probably do like another episode about essentialism as well. And it won't be just like a book review of like what I think about it, but it's how I feel about it and like kind of like how I did with the dip and how I thought it applied to me and other people is essentially like the the dip that the dip the general summary that I took away from the dip is kind of like a good Amanda for quitting when you realize that you weren't in love with it as much as you needed to be and because of that you would never be the top at it which is really important in that industry you know if you if I can't stand out in it like that kind of way I wouldn't be, I can't make it. And because I recognize that within, I consciously admitting it to myself within two, like two years ish, then I'm fine. Like I didn't waste 10 years on it, you know? And a lot of people waste a lot more time. And I say waste kind of, hopefully it doesn't come across as mean, but like I did meet people like during my time there that I'm like, they're not very good. And like, I don't mean not good in the sense of like, making fun of them American Idol it was like not good as in like they're very mediocre kind of thing and they didn't have anything to make them stand out but they kept trying and like they might be able to make it but the odds at like you know 10 years still trying pretty low if you're not great in one thing of an industry you know you're not the odds are going to be very 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 low that you're going to quote make it right and the only thing that I had there like going for me was my voice which doesn't sound like it now because my voice is kind of getting over a cold but the only thing I really had going for me is my voice. I didn't have any really musician skill. I taught myself. I didn't really have the passion. I don't really love performing. So I'm not an entertainer. I'm young, but not for the industry standards who, you know, want them straight basically out of like high school, middle school. I'm, I have an 11 year old, I have an 11 year old. I'm married. I'm 31. It's pretty old quote for the industry. 
And the only thing I had going for me is my voice, you know, and in that, that rate, like, you know, what are the odds? They're not good. And, and kind of how, you know, Seth Godin was saying, like, if you realize it's just not going to happen, it's, it's easier just to get out, like just quit. And by easier, I mean, it's easier in the long run, but actually the harder thing to do, like he's saying, because it is, it was easier for me to keep going and just kind of pushing through and trying to make it worse. It was easier for me to stay there and not make any movement. And he said, that's one of the signs too, is like, you keep going, you're working really hard. You keep trying different things, but you don't seem to get any further. And sometimes, you know, you could keep going and maybe if you just keep hacking away, it could, but odds again are low. So hopefully this was like an interesting episode and wasn't like super pessimistic and like me saying, give up your dream. You suck. Um, but I just, I really liked the book and it was really helpful and it made me feel like a pat on my back for quitting when I did, um, quitting when it made sense for me and realizing it wasn't working and I wasn't going to be, you know, the top and just admitting myself, like admitting, like admitting, I feel like admitting something like that to yourself is kind of like a, a weight lifted where you don't have to force something to fit that wasn't fitting, you know? So anyways, I'm going to wrap that episode up here and, uh, yeah, if you liked this episode, I'd love to have you share it with a friend. Um, hopefully you're not, hopefully it wasn't a buzzkill for you. And if you share it with a friend, it's not a buzzkill for them. Um, I'm going to link to the episode I talked about with quitting, which is the episode that I made earlier. And I gave more in depth about kind of my decision to quit music and things like that. And I'll link my friends more than amused podcast. She also, my friend, I'm just like hyping other people up, up in my, at this time. My friend Sadie, she just put out a song actually on Friday. By the time you listen to this will be tomorrow, which is Tuesday because I again, keep putting out episodes with me, solo episodes like the day before, because that's how I seem to be rolling lately. Um, anyway, she just put out a song on Friday and it's amazing. It's called one in a million. And I've been jamming to it like all freaking weekend, um, which I just texted her that this morning, which as a side note, I feel like as a woman, if you're listening to this, literally anybody, I guess, but anyways, if you're listening to this and you're a woman, it's really important. I feel like to hype other women up. So I like to be really weird with my friends and like low key hit on them all the time. And I texted her as soon as I woke up, I was like, um, hi, I just wanted to text you to let you know I went to bed and it was in my head, which was actually really annoying because I couldn't relax. Like it was too catchy. <laughs> and I like hit on my friends all the time being like, Ooh, girl, you look good. So I, if you want to make someone feel good, you need to make sure you like tell them the ways that you appreciate them in like a nice way. Don't be a weirdo to strangers on the street, but even strangers will appreciate it. Don't like cat call them and follow them into alleyways, but appropriate, like nice compliments, making people feel good unexpectedly and making sure that they know that you think nice things about them and how you actually feel about them. Like, don't be like a little scary cat. So that was a side tangent. But anyways, uh, if you like this episode, please, or any episodes that you've maybe listened to so far at Bare Minimum Babe, please rate it a five star on wherever you're listening, especially Spotify and Apple. Apple is like the top Spotify, um, or <laughs> top podcast platform. Um, and Spotify, I think like a second, but if you loved it, please rate it five star and share it with a friend. And I'm going to end my rambling now and say, I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and I will be in your ears next week. Thank you. Bye.